Hi, this is Caroline Rotenstrike. And Max Goldman. And this is Dive In, produced by Brown EP. here today with Sarah Leary, who is the co-founder and the current board observer of Nextdoor. And so you took this position after founding, growing, and scaling Nextdoor from its first neighborhood in 2010 to over, um, I think it's 240,000 neighborhoods, I read, across 10 countries as of 2019. So thank you so much for joining us. And um, just to start off, could you introduce yourself, maybe touch upon your educational background, and then what Nextdoor is? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for, for having me. It's a real pleasure and uh, an opportunity to be able to share a little bit about the Nextdoor story and the journey that we went on. And, and hopefully, there'll be some nuggets in there that you can pull out that can be helpful uh, to your audience. So thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. Uh, so by way of background, um, I, um, I went to college on the East Coast, studied economics, and found myself in the early 90s as a product manager at Microsoft, working on the first version of Microsoft Office. And that was an extraordinary experience to be there at a early stage of a company and a product that was just a rocket ship. And to be a part of that early on in your career, I think is something that in some respects, it's an incredible gift, awesome opportunity, but it can spoil you because you get really used to working on products that can be used by hundreds of millions of people. And of course, the most important thing that I learned there was the importance of having, being a part of a great team. And the, the Microsoft Office team in the early days was extraordinary and was a part of really changing the way that people use desktop applications for the next several decades. After spending about five years at Microsoft, I went to business school and was looking for new opportunities. And I was actually trying to do that on the East Coast. And at that time, it was like 1999 and things were just exploding out on the West Coast. And I knew I wanted to be near the action. And I also wanted to be a part of really the experience that people were having in building businesses on the internet, which was a huge platform shift that happened that created new opportunities for people to be connected, to share information, and to build great businesses. And I was a part of a team. I was one of the first uh, 15 employees at a company called Epinions, which was a platform where anyone could write reviews about products and services. And uh, it was one of the first places where you had this very democratic approach to hearing what, what everyday people had to say about products and services. And that really turned me on to the democratic power of user-generated content and the power of community. And so fast forward through that experience that we went through the ups and downs of 99 to 2001 to 2003 to eventually taking that public and having another company called eBay come in and acquire the company. 
I took some time off and then I really got the bug to say it was great to be a part of these incredible teams at Microsoft, at Epinions, and eventually eBay, but I wanted to be a part of the founding of a new company. And so I turned to my uh, fellow colleague from Epinions, a gentleman who was running the company when I joined, and someone who was one of the co-founders, his name, Nirav Tolia, and I said, let's partner up and, and start something. And there's a lot of twists and turns in there that we can go into, but uh, through those twists and turns, we founded another community-based platform uh, called Nextdoor. And the idea there was, how do we connect with people who live right down the street from us, our neighbors, and help one another get the information, get the services, and the support that they need to live better lives. And that was the original uh, genesis of the idea. And um, I'm proud that, as you called out, I think we're up to almost 250,000 neighborhoods across 11 countries. And people are using it for everyday things like trying to find a babysitter or a plumber or trying to um, find a something to buy or something to sell from their house if, when they're getting rid of that old bookcase or they're using it in times of an emergency to stay safe and to help one another out. So very gratifying. And um, it certainly was a journey to get there and, and something that we can talk more about. Yeah, so a little more about that journey to get there. You referred to these like twists and turns and um, you're quoted talking about this famous pivot um, that you and your team experienced. So can you talk a little bit about this pivot and how you arrived at Nextdoor and talk about um, your unique brainstorming process along the way. Sure, well, I, I think a pivot is always um, a nice way to put a bow on the term for failure uh, that turned out okay in the end. So pivot sounds good in hindsight, but I will tell you at the time it was not a very fun experience. So. Just to give the listeners some background, in 2008, uh, Nirav and I left uh, Benchmark Capital, where we were entrepreneurs and residents, with an idea to build a platform for building community around college and pro sports fans. And we called it Fanbase, and we spent about 18 months with another co-founder, Prakash, building out a platform that was going to help these communities come together. We launched, we got a ton of attention, we were featured in the New York Times, we got a lot of users, 15 million unique visitors a month within three months. And after a couple more months, we knew we hadn't really cracked the code and gotten it right. Uh, we saw that there were a lot of members that were coming in and joining, trying out the product, but they weren't sticking around and coming back again and again. And we tried for about three or four months to fix that and solve that. And we knew that we were just missing the mark. And we had the difficult decision of trying to say, well, what do we do about this? We still had money in the bank. We still had a team of people at this point in time. And we also had people who were using the product. And despite our best efforts, uh, we couldn't solve it. And we felt like we really, we actually felt like we needed to give the money back. And when we tried to give the money back, our investor said, well, we really invested in the team. Why don't you take a few months and work on some new ideas and see if you can come up with something else that you think might work. And so just think about that. You've spent almost two years working on a product, 
and you've recruited a team, you've raised money, and to think about like throwing up your hands and saying it's not working. Uh, that's not my style. It's not my co-founder style to give up. And that was a very hard thing to do. But at the same time, you're putting your heart and soul into something and you just don't feel like it's quite the right offering. And so we went to the team and we said we have an opportunity to spend time to come up with some new ideas. And we asked people if they wanted to go on that journey with us. Three out of the 10 people raised their hand and opted out and left. And so we were left with seven of us. Those were three engineers, which uh, I will tell you, those are not easy people to recruit. So that was a tough day. But it was actually really important, I think, to get the team to be as small and cohesive as possible and to really get everyone on the same page about what we were going to do, which was to start with a clean slate. And to me, that's like one of the key things for what we now can look back on and call a successful pivot. But at the time, uh, was very uncertain. We basically told the people who stayed, we're going to work on this for three months. And if at the end of it, it doesn't work out, there's going to be no severance. If you leave now, we'll give you severance. So we tried to encourage people who weren't fully on board with the, this uncertain future to get off the boat, so to speak. And those that stayed came on board with their eyes wide open and said, no, I want to go on this new journey with you. And it wasn't just our employees. It was obviously our investors as well. And so during that period of time, I think the second thing that was really important that we did is we said, it's a clean slate. We're not going to be beholden to anything that we built before. This doesn't have to be in the sports category. We don't have to reuse the code base that we used with Fanbase. Let's start with a clean slate and see if we can come up with something new and different. And then the third thing is, is that we just, we had to implement a different structure. Uh, we had a standing 10 a.m. meeting every day where our job was to come up with billion dollar ideas. Uh, we jokingly referred to it that way. And um, during that time, there was no hierarchy. It wasn't like you could assign tasks to other people because one of the things that we were looking for is where was their excitement, enthusiasm, and energy within the founding, the new founding team, the founding team that became next door, the seven of us who stuck around, where was their new energy for a new idea? And so every other day we would have this meeting and basically the first thing that we would do is we would update on where we were with the ideas that were percolating. We had almost a dozen ideas in various stages. And at the, each time that we came up with a new idea, some group of people, usually two people would pair off and go work on it together. And we would have a list of questions that they would have to work on and they would update the group the next time we met on what they had learned. And so ideas would, we would gain enthusiasm for them or we would lose enthusiasm based on the research and the analysis that had been done. And that could be competitive research, product research, member uh, research, you name it. And so, over the course of what ended up being three months, ideas would kind of live and die based on the work that people were trying to put into it. And so every time that we met with this group, you were looking for where there was energy within the group. And it, you just, you cannot run a creation process, a new idea process, the same way you run a business when you're scaling and you have a roadmap, you have defined roles. And I think that that was a really important thing for us to get right during, during the pivot. 
by the end of that summer, uh, we had a idea that felt like it was gaining some momentum. We hadn't written a single line of code at this point. We had paper mock-ups, we had simple designs, but it was clear that there was something around this idea of connecting neighbors to one another. And that was an idea that survived the summer and actually we gained more confidence in based on spending a lot of time with users, uh, understanding the landscape, and starting to envision what the product would be. Interesting to note, we had designs of the product during the summer where we were much more focused on civic engagement, connecting people to local issues, a really politically minded platform for neighbors to talk about. And before we ever built anything, we showed paper mock-ups to about a dozen people who played some role in their neighborhood and were interested in this topic. And almost universally, they said, well, that's a pretty good idea. But, you know, we do that about once every five years. What I really need is to be able to find a great plumber, a babysitter, figure out what's going on in my neighborhood and why is the white van across the street parked in the opposite direction for the last two weeks? What's going on? And so that was a really important part of the process because it meant that we were able to refine the product before doing the expensive work of coding anything and really figuring out where people had true pain points, what was a need that they really wanted to, to solve versus just something that was nice to have in their life. And that became a really important mantra for us during the pivot. We wanted to find problems that people needed to have solved that they felt was essential in their life versus just a nice to have. Yeah, so you talk about um, kind of doing all this preliminary research before even writing a line of code. So can you talk about um, the chronological steps that Nextdoor took in order to get to the point of actually having a final pro like product and a neighborhood that was actively using the platform? Well, during this summer of exploration, we were doing what some people refer to as customer development work, where we interviewed about a dozen to 15 neighborhood leaders. These were homeowner association leaders. These were people involved in their civic engagement groups. These were people who were just had an active neighborhood. One-on-one uh, -on -one interviews to learn a little bit more about what they were doing. At the same time, we launched a very simple survey to about 200 people to just understand across the country what, were, what was the temperature that people had about wanting to know more about what was happening in their local community, how did they currently communicate with neighbors. So these two things were really important for us, one-on-one -on -one interviews to get some of that detail as well as doing some simple surveying to just get more of a, of a broader landscape. And during the surveying, we had uh, one data point that I, I remember very clearly was that 78% of people said they wanted to know more about what was happening in their, in their community and didn't have an easy way to do it. And when we asked them, well, how did they stay in touch? They said basically local newspapers and talking to their neighbors. And so that gave us some sense that there was a clear need that was out there, 78% of people agreeing they want to know more. Like, I, 
how do you get 78% of, of Americans to agree on anything? Well, they agreed on that. And then the tools that they were currently using were quite uh, outdated. They certainly were not modern and they were not taking advantage of of the mobile phone or technology in general. So those were really important key pieces of it. And I think we got to a point in our interviews where we started to just hear some of the same things. Then we created these paper mock-ups of things that we thought might be good solutions. And we showed them to people and we got very strong reactions like, oh, I like that, ooh, I hate that, or eh, I don't really care about X, Y, and Z. And, and I'm a big fan that doing one-on-one -on -one interviews and showing something to a potential user or customer and watching how they react is incredibly valuable because you see their emotional reaction you see the subtleties which sometimes i think you can't get in a in a simple survey i was looking for when they were going to light up and get super excited or when they would look at me and wrinkle their nose and be like "Ooh, i don't like that so things that became really important were things like privacy was very important on the platform and we had to honor that and respect that. And then getting to these everyday use cases, real utility, I think that became a very clear pain point at which point we said, now we've got to build a platform and test this with a single community. Um, and we found one willing guinea pig community down in Menlo Park that said, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a try. Uh, it took about four in-person meetings to convince them to trust us. And uh, we launched in uh, right before Halloween that year. And within the first few weeks, we saw all the common use cases that are now popular on Nextdoor. They emerged right away. It was very clear. And at that point, we knew we had something that it was clear that people wanted to be able to communicate with their neighbors to stay in touch about what was happening. And then we started to build out the entire platform. But frankly, that whole process that I just described to you took about three months. It took us another nine months to build out the platform before we were ready for a national launch. So it's a process. And so can you speak a little bit about how COVID-19 has impacted Nextdoor usage or how has maybe the platform changed to accommodate maybe an influx of users who want to communicate? Yeah. So, you know, obviously COVID-19 is something that no one could have predicted uh, in terms of the scope and, and its impact, not just in the United States, but around, around the globe. Uh, that being said, part of what we envisioned with Nextdoor is that it could be a resource for neighbors in a time of need. And we have seen that over the years, whether that's with keeping a neighborhood safe or even during natural disasters like what we saw with Hurricane Harvey down in Houston. And uh, we, are, we are grateful that what we're seeing is that people have been become accustomed to using Nextdoor to reach out and find out what's happening in their local community. And obviously in a time of such a serious crisis like COVID-19, uh, that's a time when people are looking for information and understanding what's happening local. And so proximity matters in a time of a crisis. And what we've seen is that neighbors are coming together on Nextdoor during the crisis they are sharing information. They are raising their hand and offering to be helpful. Uh, Nextdoor launched something called the Help Map, where neighbors can 
place themselves on a map, raise their hand, and make themselves available to more vulnerable neighbors that might need help with groceries or other needing medicine uh, deliveries that they might need. And we are just overwhelmed in seeing the positive response. It really gives you some sense of confidence that there's a lot of goodness that people want to be helpful to their neighbors. They just needed an easier way to be able to show that. In addition to that, uh, Nextdoor over the course of the last 10 years has been partnering with local agencies such as Fire Department, Office of Emergency Management, Police Department, City Hall to help get critical information from these local officials to neighbors. And already there's been over 5,000 agencies that have been on the platform in many cases for several years. Uh, that has expanded dramatically over the course of the last few weeks in response to the COVID-19 crisis. So the CDC is on the platform, the World Health Organization, the Red Cross, not just here in the United States, but across Europe. And so what we're seeing is that people are coming together to share that information. We try and highlight that on the platform so people know that these trusted sources of information are keeping them up to date. And these agencies can also hear from, from residents on the platform. So it's really been a combined effort uh, where people are turning to, uh, to turning to Nextdoor and using it as a way to be able to stay informed during the crisis and really importantly, help each other out in a safe way. So it's, it's been uh, gratifying to see that Nextdoor can be a resource during such a challenging time. Absolutely. It's pretty remarkable. And just if you could speak, um, obviously, with the impact of COVID-19, things are hard to predict, but what do you see um, next for Nextdoor and what do you see uh, for yourself in the future? Well, I think with, with Nextdoor, what we're seeing right now is people coming back to realizing how connected we are in this world. And and so they're turning to each other and looking for ways to help one another out. And it's not just neighbors helping each other, it's neighbors helping local small businesses and supporting them. So right now, everything at Nextdoor is focused on supporting our neighborhoods and communities to help them get through this crisis. That is the most important thing on the platform and will be the focus of the company for the foreseeable future. There are a ton of ways that people can stay connected in their community, and it's not just with their neighbors and with local officials, but it's also, as I mentioned, with small businesses. And so that is an area of focus for the company going forward. Uh, for me personally, uh, it's incredibly gratifying to see the ongoing uh, success and rollout of Nextdoor and seeing it be a useful resource, especially in time of need. And I continue to be involved in any way I can to support the company going forward. I think for me personally, I'm constantly looking for interesting companies, interesting entrepreneurs, or are looking for new ways to be able to use the power of community to be able to make the world a better place. Uh, and I think Nextdoor is a great example of that, but there are hundreds and thousands of other ways that people can use technology as a way to bring out the best in their fellow man. And so I'm spending as much time as possible trying to encourage and help support entrepreneurs that are trying to encourage that around the globe. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate it. 
thanks for the opportunity. It's been great speaking with you. And uh, I hope everyone's staying safe out there and looking out for their loved ones and their neighbors. Oh.